0: God is good, yeah? Amen. Amen. And God is here. And God listens. Amen? Amen. So. Yeah, sorry. uh, Thank you, Lord. Shall we give God a big... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed with uh, God's Presence in our, in our life. It's just amazing. It's just never ending grace. Never ending. Mm-hmm. And my topic for today is uh, God's amazing grace. Mm-hmm. So that is grace. What happened to Ronaldo? Mm-hmm. The healing is grace. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. And because these last few weeks, all I can hear is grace.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Prophecy is grace. When I read the word and when I listen, it's all grace. So I said, Oh, let me teach about grace, because uh, I always like, I like the blood, I like the prayer, <laughs> and then uh, the Holy Spirit. And so I said, Lord, let me teach about grace. It's a difficult week, because I'm working, and uh, I wasn't very well last week. But I said, I'm not going to cancel it, and he messages me. Oh, that we're praying for you tomorrow. I said, yes, I remember that. <laughs> so I said, I'll be there. So that grace is always in my mind. And it is in John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. And let me just pray again, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we honor your mighty presence today, O God. We honor, Father, that you are here with us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're within us. As you said, Father, when two or three are gathered in your name, you are in our midst. We thank you for your mighty presence, O oh God. And we just ask, Father God, that uh, you, uh, your, your word, Lord, I pray, Father, that you just control every word that comes out of my mouth and let it be a blessing, Lord, for everybody, O oh God. Lord, I just give you glory. I give you honor, O oh God, at this very moment. And we thank you for your love. For us, Lord. We thank you that you are omnipotent, God. Thank you for your love for us, oh God, and we just honor your presence. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11, it's so exciting when, uh, like, in the last few weeks, it's quiet, and then when Paul says, Oh, you're gonna, when will you? When when you teach? And then I'm thinking already, oh my God, why am I going to teach a few weeks? It's not a one-day thing. You have to like pray, and then you talk to God, you pray, and then you think, oh, this is not the right one, and then the Holy Spirit shows you something else. But God, God is good. So this one is a woman uh, is caught in adultery. That is in John chapter 8. So Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So that, that was, um, when I was reading it, I was like thinking about the sin that she made and the grace of God. Because sometimes the topic of sin and grace is difficult because some scholars, some evangelists, some of them, uh, some churches, they talk more about sin and less grace. That happened to me before in the Philippines. So I think I'm always a sinner every day. So when I go home, I'm not blessed, I'm more condemned. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and every time I'm opening, Lord, forgive me. I did say, Lord, forgive me. Isn't it just? But then some other churches talk more of grace and less of sin. I know this, uh, was that the, the, from Singapore, he's, he's talking about grace. Uh, Joseph Prince is talking about grace. So it's all different, but the, book of, uh, the, the Bible is balanced. It is balanced. It is a very difficult topic. But do you know what? Sometimes we don't focus on the sin all the time because we, God renews us day by day. God renews us all the time. And like uh, the Apostle Paul, it took him 10 years to really standing and saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In chapter 9, I think, when he asked uh, salvation, he he accepted Jesus Christ. But then it took 10 years on chapter 13, I think, um, that he started preaching. So sometimes it takes a while to really be into it. And you can say to to others, imitate me as I imitate Christ like what Paul said. Mm -hmm. Amen? But today I'm talking about grace. What is grace? Grace means unmerited favor of God toward man. It is fully given, undeserved love and kindness to humanity, particularly in the context of salvation and forgiveness of sins. It is God's unconditional love and assistance that helps humanity to grow spiritually and overcome life's challenges. Grace manifests in various forms, such as forgiveness, compassion, unconditional love, and it also can bring about profound transformation and healing. In the Bible, grace is mentioned 185 times. 185. That's a lot of grace, isn't it? So. Every time, how, like, how many times do you it, And how many times do you forgive? 70 times 7. How, many, how much grace? 185 times. So God is full of grace. But the first time it was mentioned is in Genesis 6, chapter 6, verse 8. It says here, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So I'm going to sidetrack a bit. It's in Noah. During Noah's time... I'm sure you've seen, some of you have seen the film, The Exodus. It's about Noah. The people are so wicked, so wicked, so evil during that time. But that's why God judged the world by sending the flood. But Noah that time was a righteous man. And Noah, and God preserved Noah and his family because Noah is the beneficiary of God's grace. As we are, we are beneficiary of God's grace. Amen? Amen. And God instructed him to build the ark. So the ark, according to some uh, scholars, it took 100 oh, to 120 years to build. And the ark was, not as was built, not just for the animal kingdom, but the ark is an opportunity for people to repent because it was so wicked that 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 time. And then they can go on board and then turn to God. So ark is a symbol of God's grace. Amen? Mm -hmm. Hundred years the ark's being built. The people there have the chance to repent, come to God, and get on board. But they chose to be sinners. They chose to be sinners. So that's why only Noah and his family were saved. So that's a long time for us to come to God. So I didn't know that before, but when someone sent me the gospel before and gave me the traps, I just jumped on it. Didn't realize what I'm going to. But then I just found in myself that, my God, this is real. This is real because, I thought, I just go to church and that's it. That's done. But then there's more to it. There's more to it. There's the power of the Holy Spirit that has to work in you. And it's different. It's different when you go to church. When I go to church, I just look at people. Oh, I like what she's wearing. Oh, I like that. <laughs> but then when you've got Christ in you, it is different. It changes you from the inner soul. From the inner soul. So that is just, just the introduction of Noah. People are so stubborn. They could have been saved. I am just wondering last night. They could have been saved. There's a lot of people. Look at that. They chose. They chose to be sinners. So, during this time in John, uh, the Jewish people, when they're 21 years old, they have to go to this feast of, the three feast of tabernacles. So the tabernacle is, uh, Jesus is teaching in the tabernacle because he is a rabbi. And in the evening, he goes with his disciples in the Mount of Olives to pray and to sleep. And then the next day, he comes again and teach in the temple. <clears throat> and in, that was, uh, that's what it says on verse 2. In verse 3, as we said, the scribes and the Pharisees brought him unto a woman who was taken as adultery. And then, can you imagine... The embarrassment of that woman with all the people around them. Because they drag her and saying, Come on, Jesus, she is a sinner. She was caught in uh, adultery. What can you do now? So they're trying to test Jesus what he's going to do. It's hard to be embarrassed. I'm sure lots of us had embarrassment in our life before. Because I had. One embarrassment I had is funny. I was thinking of it the other day, I said, I was so embarrassed when I was young, because of my parents. Sorry, parents. (laughs) (laughs) Because in our town before, I'm sure you remember that, once a month, the young people would have like a party. You know, there's a music, there's a party, the girls would sit there. And then the the young people, when they start the music, they'll come to and say, shall we dance, shall we dance? Remember that, Marina? She remembers. (laughs) So I was there every like once a month, we were excited, me and my sister, because okay, it's our party time, but it's different now, the party now is rave, 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 no. Not in Philippines, no rave, rave in Philippines before. So I was just like dancing, sometimes it's a modern music, sometimes it's a sad, oh, like uh, uh, sweet music. And I remember I was dancing and then someone came to me and says, that your mom and your dad said you're dancing too close. Me like a hook. and then nearly 12 o'clock someone will said on the microphone "Oh, Dad, your mom and dad said it's time to go home now <laughs> oh my god that is so embarrassing every time embarrassing but you know what we just got used to it in philippines you just say yes mama all the time yes dad, all the time we don't we don't argue i don't argue. i say yes yes i know it was embarrassment but And then I said to them afterwards, when will you let me go? And they said, when you're at university. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're 21. (laughs) And 21, I became born again, anyway. Uh, Amen. (laughs) So that's what happened. That woman was embarrassed. And in chapter, in verse 5, Now Moses is in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? So in Moses' time, or in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 22, if a man be found lying with a woman married to her husband, they should both die. That's what it says in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament. So if Jesus said, let her go, he's violating the letter of the law, and he will fall into their trap. So they put him in a difficult position. And then the scribes want him to contradict the law of God. But if he say, if Jesus would say, kill her, he will be separating himself from her and all the other sinners who need grace that Jesus meant to give. Amen? Amen? But some, when I was studying, the scholars, some of them were saying, this is a setup, Because according to the law, the man and the woman should be stoned to death. But where is the man? Exactly. <laughs> it's all the woman. All the time. Push the woman. Where's the man? And I'm thinking, that's not fair. Where's the man? Oh, right, right. It's only the woman there. Because it's a setup, I think. I think it's a setup. Because the is hated Jesus so much. Yes. So they probably paid this man. Okay, can you try and seduce this woman? We'll pay you. And then... You know, she can be stoned to death. Forget about you. After that, you just run away. So that's why they got the woman. That's my, that's what I'm just thinking. <laughs> but it is, isn't it? You're wondering, where's the man? Stone him to death as well, if it's possible. But, so, and then in verse 6, it says here, This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though... He heard them not. And what do you think he's writing on the ground? It's always a question because nobody knows. Some people say, some scholars said that he's probably writing the sins that those people, (laughs) the accusers, so that they'll feel guilty. So I don't know. But did you know that in Exodus chapter 31, verse 18, God Uh, It says here, God used his finger to write. That's in Exodus. And it says, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tablets, tables of testimony, the tables of stone, written with the finger of God. So in the Old Testament, God used his finger to write on the tablets the Ten Commandments. That's what it says in Exodus. So I was just thinking probably he's using his finger again, he's writing the Ten Commandments you know the Ten Commandments of God so everybody was just stand because they can see the Ten Commandments and in verse 7 he said so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her amen that is the most amazing brilliant answer that jesus gave it's so full of wisdom because the accusers were thinking he's trapped but god being god knows what to say so he's so full of wisdom i'm thinking last night i was wondering if i'm there holding a stone Say, I'm in the past, I wonder what am I going to do with a stone? i probably just drop it and run away. (laughs) Because that's what I was thinking before, that I'm a sinner all the time. So... And sometimes, for us, what would you have done? If it's us there, would you condemn condemn the woman? But for us Christians as well, I just realized... Sometimes we're so quick to judge. I'm guilty knowingly, unknowingly, sometimes at work when someone says something, and I say, "Oh yeah, oh yes." But then God is teaching us day by day, just teaching us to live righteous, to watch our mouth all the time. So when my colleagues sometimes when they say, "Oh that did you know that um, uh, the manager said, You have to return the key because you, you, you're you just doing bank. What can you say about that? I said, That's okay. I just return the key. Can't you? Because you're still doing bank shit. Go in and uh, tell I said, That's fine. It's just a key. Come on, give it a rest. It's just a key. So sometimes people are waiting for you to respond mm-hmm. to cause troubles. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Christ is in me, so I won't fall into that temptation. I just say, let go. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's why they always say, oh, that you always say, let go. You can't get anything from you. Let go. <laughs> <laughs> All the time, and they said, we're still waiting for you to swear. You know, because you haven't sworn in this uh, in this uh, department for like 17 years. They said, we're waiting for you to swear. I said, well, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Amen? Amen. So. And in verse 8, it says in verse 8, And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So Jesus stooped down again and wrote again. So I wonder what, I was thinking, what is he writing? Is it the six to ten commandments now? Because he's finished with the first five. <laughs> but then I was just wondering, he's giving a chance to the scribes and the Pharisees to, to examine themselves that if they are righteous. That's why he said, okay, I'll give you a rest. Go and uh, check yourself if you are righteous, if you're not seeing it to stone this woman. So that's why I thought, he is so calm. Jesus is so calm and he's just taking his time because he knows what he's doing. Amen? And that was good. I was wondering last night, that is so good. He's just taking his time. And sometimes we say it's so quick we so quick, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If it's us, the, the tongue is like a two-edged sword.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: so powerful sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, And then he is grieving, uh, giving the crowd a chance to think if they're worthy to cast a stone. It's like me. I was thinking to myself, "Am I worthy to just judge anyone? I can't judge. Judge, judge, not, and you be, you, you can't, you, so you won't be judged." Mm-hmm. And then in <laughs> verses nine, it says here, "Where are your actu- accusers?" <coughs> the accusers in verses nine to ten. Let me read quickly, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. In that chapter 8, yeah, I said, before we open our mouth, we have to think twice, because we, before we release the word. I always say to my girls, when they're angry, you know, Tom, sometimes they argue, they argue sometimes. I said, when you're angry, I always say to them, you always sometimes say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You have to pray, calm down, and then probably do it a bit later because you're going to say the right thing afterwards. But when you're angry, you're just like a machine gun, you know what it's like when you're angry? I'm a mom. When I why'd you do this? Oh, I've been to the I said to my daughter, I've been to the jungle today. She says, Really, mom? Where? In your bedroom. It's like a jungle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mom, baby, will clear up. Okay, I said, I'm done. I've said that. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing the kitchen, I'm doing downstairs, but just clear your bedroom. And then when they're two together, sometimes, my daughter was here last Christmas. So we went to Westfield. We were so happy together, and suddenly the eldest said to them, um, Nicole, can I just say something to you? And I said, oh my god, what is this now? <laughs> These two sometimes they are so like, uh, they the very like feisty or strong character. Do you know what, for our mental health, exercise is good. And then my one said, what, you say, you're saying I'm fat? <laughs> <laughs> Please, please, give peace a chance. Give peace a chance. And we went to the shop, and then the other one is trying the clothes, and I said, Why is she saying that? Why is, it, why is she so quick to judge? I said, She's not judging. Because I think it helps her, and it helps her to just tell you it doesn't mean anything. But you have to take it, don't take it literally. You take it like as a help for you. She doesn't mean anything. She loves you, she's your sister. So. And then after that, she says, I want to go home. I'll leave you to do it. I said, give peace a chance, all the time. Give peace a chance. And then afterwards, when the sister came up, oh, I'm hungry now, shall we eat? And she said, Okay then let's go and eat. We're both hungry now, as if nothing happened, (laughs) see? That's the, that's the irony of being a mother and with the two kids. So when you go out with your kids, sometimes it's better to go out one by one, one at a time, not together, because it causes problems sometimes. <laughs> so I've experienced that so many times. Yeah? So that's why it is. And uh, the funny thing as well, in verse 9, when I was reading, and it says, it, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. So I, I was thinking, why did he say beginning from the eldest, when they left? And I was reading some like commentary about grace and all these things. And then I realized, oh, being the eldest, because you're the eldest, you have more sins than when you're young. <laughs> Isn't it? More sins because you're older. So it's a shame, it's a shame. That's what they say beginning from the elders, they walk out one by one. So that is, I find it funny though. But, and then she said, He said, Where are your accusers? The accusers are the spirit of Satan, always accusing Christians. Even when you're forgiven, it's always whispering in your ear, You're not forgiven, you're not forgiven. That is a big sin you made. You're not forgiven. It's condemning us. It's a condemning spirit. And the crowd along that place was operating as the spirit of Satan. Amen? I had a dream before. I think I shared it to to Pastor Paul. I had a dream. I, I shared it when we were praying on a Tuesday that I dreamt that I was passing through this church. And the door was open. And when I looked, I saw Satan sitting in the corner with a cheeky, cheeky smile, sitting, uh, sitting on the floor and just doing that to me and then pointing on the floor. And you know what I saw on the floor of the church? Little bits of poo. Remember I shared that with you? I thought I'd share that with you because that is his job at church. He put bits and pieces of dirt and accusations and guilt and everything, it everywhere. And whoever wants to jump on it and get it, then he's happy because it's gonna cause chaos at church. Okay? So get rid of that poor church. Get rid of that. Let the glory of God just stay in this church because this is Amen. God's house. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, that was a funny dream, but I think, why is it poo? Why, Lord, give me something else. Why poo? But, <laughs> and say that he's the father of lies. He is a liar. He is a liar. And then, in chapter, in verse uh, 11, it says here, She said, No, man Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Because sin is a big deal. But in Romans 5.20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Amen? Amen? Amen. A small sin you make, the grace is bigger. The grace is bigger. The grace is bigger. I'd like to share, I think this dream is always in my mind. It's always with me in my heart, this dream that I had before. Because a few years ago, I thought I was an accessory to a sin of my friend. I know she did something wrong, and I, I didn't stop her because I'm thinking that's your decision. But then I felt so guilty, I was just, for the whole week, it's like I felt that I, I'm, uh, I'm not forgiven, I was so guilty, and that night I had a dream. I shared this with you before, that I went to a church, and uh, I went to the church and the high priest was in the middle of the church, and there were people around. But I'm not concentrating on what the priests were saying and the people. I was looking at the church, is so clean, it's sparkling clean from the wall, the floor, the ceiling. It's just, it's just so perfect, so perfect and clean. So when the service finished, everybody was leaving and the high priest I saw was standing at the door. He said, I'm going to ask this, how, how he cleans this church. So I went. I went back and I said, oh, I'm sorry, but I know it was Jesus. How do you keep this church so clean? It's really, sp- you know, the impression, it's not the word clean, clean, but you know that it's really spotless, not even a speck of dust. So, and then he, he said to me, come, I'll show you something. So we went around the back of the church and there was a conveyor. conveyor you know at the airport there's a conveyor and there's water running flowing on the conveyor and every tile, every wood everything that's at the church continuously is changing going to the conveyor and being washed being washed by the water being washed by the blood of jesus amen so there's no dirt and that's amazing and that night i cleared my heart and i said thank you lord i'm forgiven by your grace and by your blood, I am washed. I'm not a sinner. Amen. Because Satan was putting in my head your accessory to crime. You're a sinner, you're not righteous. But God showed me that he is the God, the God that forgives and cleans us all. Amen. 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 So, sorry, I'm always crying when I'm preaching. <laughs> so the bottom line, church is it's nearly 1 o'clock, and... The bottom line is we all need God's grace. And when we sin against God and we're still alive and standing, that is God's grace, amen? Amen. Amen. When we can ask forgiveness and be forgiven, that is God's grace. When we get up in the morning and breathing free air, that is grace. Amen. When we're full of joy, no matter what the situation around us, that is grace.
1: Amen.
0: Knowing that God carries our burdens, that is grace. Amen. Knowing that we have brothers and sisters in Christ praying for us, that is God's grace. Amen. Knowing that He answer our prayers, that is grace.
1: Amen.
0: Knowing that God doesn't want us to perish, that is grace. Amen. Knowing that God restores us and saves us through faith in Jesus, that is grace. Knowing that when we leave this world, we will be in heaven with Him. That is God's grace. Knowing that God loves us. That is grace. Amen. And the last chapter of uh, the Bible, Revelation, the last word, it says, chapter 22, verse 21, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That is God's grace. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Shall we pray quickly? Lord, we thank you for this morning, oh God. We thank you for your word. That I know, Father, that your word, Father, is meant to be for all of us, Lord, for us to know more about the abundance of your grace for us. And Lord, we just ask, Lord, as we go waste, Lord, this week, Lord, that your grace be upon us, Father. And uh, we won't be a disgrace for other people, but we will talk about your grace and your glory and your goodness in our life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for molding us, Lord, as you want us to be. Lord, we give you praise and glory, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.